0: You go through, if you just read through Acts. You have Paul and Silas thrown into the jail in Philippi. They're, they're in jail, they're, they're in the back, back, back cell. Their feet are in stocks, and there's an earthquake that has this rather strange effect. of of causing the stocks to fall off their feet and all the doors to fly open, all the doors in the jail to fly open because of an earthquake. And meanwhile, Paul and Silas have been singing. It's midnight. They've been singing hymns of worship and praise to God in the hearing of all the other people in the jail. The least accessible place in the city, God jammed them in there. Why? So those least accessible people could hear the gospel. There's the earthquake. The doors all fly open, and the jailer runs in. He is hes about to fall in his sword, commit suicide, because he knows everybody's fled. And Paul and Silas, no, 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 no. We're all here. And he gets a torch and goes in. Every prisoner remained. Can we say gospel impact on them from having heard the songs and the worship of Paul and Silas and then the the jailer and his whole family that night are all swept into the kingdom? The book of Acts closes with Paul under house arrest in Rome. He's been sent from Syria to Rome at government expense, (laughs) and he spends two years under house arrest in Rome with the Praetorian guardsmen, the sons of the wealthy and influential, politicos, wealthy. Their sons are the Praetorian guard in Rome, protecting the emperor. And they have to take turns spending four hours each at the end of a chain (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> chained to this guy, Paul, and he is gospeling them, and he's gospeling them, and he's gospeling them, and he's gospeling them, and so he is able to say in his letter to the, I believe it's the Colossians or Philippians, or, the members of Caesar's household send you greetings. The gospel had penetrated Caesar's own household. The least accessible people in the empire Paul is in 2 Timothy. He was released. He's under house arrest at the close of the book of Acts. He was released. Then he spent several more years doing ministerial work, and then he gets arrested again. He's now in a dungeon in Rome, and this is Paul's last letter. Not long after he writes this letter, he was beheaded. Is he afraid? Oh, no, no. He's not afraid. He knows who his God is. So let's, let me read this chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 1, and then we'll go back and touch on some aspects of it. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, just as Jason asked us to pray. Stir up this gift. Stir, govern my life experience. So that I'm fully engaged in what you've called me to. Stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Thank you, Lord. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed." For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. This you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Phygellus and Hermogenes. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. What is Paul doing? He is writing from a Roman dungeon. Folks, I don't know how bad that was. <laughs> we probably don't even have a template, to, uh, we don't have the life experience to understand just how bad a Roman dungeon would be. The jails of the ancient world were as deliberately obnoxious and horrible as they could make them. And as I may have already shared with you this example, John Bunyan, who wrote the the book Pilgrim's Progress, in the 1600s, he was in 14 years, he was in the Bristol Jail because he wouldn't stop preaching the gospel. They put him in jail. The magistrates were begging him. They loved him. They begged him, please just quiet down, quiet down, do it secretly, don't do it. No. I will stand for Christ in the for 14 years he was in that jail, and every Sunday his congregation gathered out outside the cell door out in the street and heard him preach. And he wrote that great book, Pilgrim's Progress, while in the jail. That is the most translated book ever written in English. There are more copies of Pilgrim's Progress that have been printed than any other book written in the English language. Was he productive? (laughs) God brought fruit out of his 14 years in that jail. But if you were outside, lived outside of Bristol, and you were going to be walking into town, and you knew you were going to be walking by the jail, you would dip your handkerchief in turpentine so that while you were walking by the jail, you could be sniffing the air through the turpentine because the stench from the jail was so bad you'd rather snort turpentine than that stench. I don't think it's stretching things to imagine that Paul was in a similar situation as he's writing this letter in a Roman dungeon, an underground cell. And what does he say? A a term he uses three times in this chapter. Do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed, he says in verse 8, of the testimony of our Lord. Now, listen to this. Who is this Jesus, Paul, Timothy, Silas, Peter, Matthew that you are preaching? You mean that fellow who was nailed to a Roman cross? Who had the flesh ripped off his back before him, had a crown of thorns pressed down (laughs) under. This is the fellow you're preaching to us? This is a... Well, you haven't finished the story. You haven't finished the account. He was placed into a tomb, a tomb that had been created, been made, paid for by Joseph of Arimathea, a very wealthy man, and Joseph of Arimathea, part of the Jewish leadership, and Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, a member of the Sanhedrin, the fellow who in John chapter 3 had come to Jesus, to whom Jesus said, you must be born from above. They received the carcass of Jesus, and they wrapped it with linen, placing these expensive spices into this and placed him in Joseph's tomb and rolled the stone down. And then the next morning, the Jewish leadership who had manufactured his crucifixion, his killing, his legal murder, remembered, oh, this fellow Jesus said, on the third day I will rise. And so they went to Pilate and said, Pilate, 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 we want you to put a guard around the tomb. 16 Roman soldiers were sent, and they put a seal on the tomb. What's the point of that seal? It's their incentive to do their job. If that seal gets broken, those Roman soldiers get executed. That's incentive. And so they're there on that early, early, it's still dark, it's still dark, first day of the week, Sunday morning, and they saw, this is what they said to the Jewish leadership to whom they ran, we saw an angel come down from heaven, flashing lightning, and we all fainted. And that angel rolled the stone away, and then the women came who didn't know that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had already cared for the carcass. They're there to do that job that had already been done, but what happened instead. The stone had been rolled away, and the angel escorted them into the tomb. And they saw the place where the body had been laid is empty. And there are two other angels sitting at either end, where the head and the feet of Jesus had been. And they leave the tomb, and they're going back to the upper room where the disciples are, and they see Jesus. And Mary Magdalene runs up to him and falls at his knees and throws her arms around. This is in John's gospel. Throws her arms around his knees, and Jesus has to say to Mary, Mary, let go, let go. I've got to ascend to my Father so I can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which I will bestow on my followers. And so she lets him go. (laughs) And then they go to the upper room and tell the apostles, we've seen Jesus. Don't be ashamed of our Lord. It's the end of the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It looks really bad until they get thrown into the fiery furnace and God makes a testimony for himself that is then spread by the emperor's orders through the whole empire. And don't you dare say anything bad about this God who is the God of gods. We want his blessing, not his curse. And so, the empty tomb. Don't be ashamed of our Lord. He has risen to the right hand of the Father. And what does Jesus say of himself in Matthew 28? All authority, all power... In heaven and on earth has been given to me. Let me tell you something. Nero, who is the emperor while Paul is in this dungeon, how much power does he have? None. All his power is just on loan to him by God, who can yank it away at any time, and by the way, he will. (laughs) It's not going to work out well for Nero, How did it work out for the Apostle Paul? He is going to be beheaded. As his head is falling into the basket, he is experiencing the embrace, welcoming embrace of his Savior. Just as Julie's testimony about that little black buck and the Lord spoke to her, I have welcomed him. Well, so Jesus was welcomed, so Paul would be welcomed So, all of God's people, ladies and gentlemen, we don't even have the frame of reference here. We think we can go to all these mansions or all these wonderful castles. You go to England or go to, you you go to look at, oh, look at these. They're hovels, they're huts. The kingdom glory? The palace of our Lord? When we read in the book of Revelation about the new Jerusalem that we will be going in and out of forever worshiping, you know how big that is? 1,600 miles wide, 1,600 miles deep, 1,600 miles high. That's the distance from here to Denver, (laughs) each dimension. And God's people will be walking in and out worshiping And we will have incorruptible bodies so that we can withstand the blessing. Don't be ashamed of our Lord. Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. I'm not Nero's prisoner. I'm Jesus' prisoner. If he wants to throw the door open... And walk me out? He can do that, just as he did in Philippi. Just as he did with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just as he did with Daniel, cast into the den of lions. There's no danger. My good shepherd is present with me. Do not be ashamed of me, nor of me, his Jesus' prisoner not prisoner of Nero, do not be ashamed of the testimony of Lord, our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me. In fact, I'm inviting you, me to share with me in sufferings for the gospel. <gasps> well, who wants to suffer? Nobody wants to suffer unless there is an outcome to the suffering that makes the suffering more than worth it. I still have a hard time getting my mind wrapped around people like Darren and so forth that go to gyms and put themselves on exercise machines. (laughs) Well, why do they do it? Because there is an outcome on the other side of that suffering that they think is worth the suffering. Well, let me tell you, kingdom glory, kingdom glory puts the suffering to shame, Every single one of God's people will say, boy, it sure was worth it. It sure was worth it. Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who has called, saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works. Oh, thank you, Lord. So we step into the kingdom. Well, Mark, uh, you haven't been much of a guy. Uh, uh, I I don't know if. No. (laughs) He doesn't look at what I'm bringing, he's looking at what he will provide. My discipleship, my effectiveness of a di- as a disciple isn't what I bring to the table. It's what he brings to the table that makes the difference. So don't shy away from the suffering. He is the provider. It is, according, is not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, provision, which he has given, provided to us in Christ Jesus before time began. God's kingdom (laughs) is not the process of His kingdom and the way it works isn't slipshod. It's not done, okay, it's from before time began. What looks to us as stray elements, He brings them all together. He brings them all together. And we will see, when we step into his presence, we will see how he brought all these stray elements together to make one grand, beautiful picture. That's our God. He's not God just barely God. He is overwhelming in the reality of who he is. He is the creator God who holds the creation in the span of his hand. The creation, we can't even see to the edge with our most powerful telescopes. And he holds it in the span of his hand, the scripture says. Is that big enough? <laughs> Is that powerful enough? He spoke the worlds into existence. I'll take that, God. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now think just a minute. Place yourself in the place of Isaiah. Place yourself in the place of Jeremiah. Place yourself in the place of Moses. How do you think they would have felt, those men who actually prophesied the coming of the Lord, to have actually witnessed the things that they spoke of ahead of time. God has actually blessed us with a blessing greater than those Hebrew prophets who, through whom God spread the forecast. We can look back on Christ's work on the cross and the empty tomb. We can look back on it. They were looking forward to it. We can look at it, at it, see it as an accomplished event. Now it has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things nevertheless. I, am I suffering? Yes but I'm not ashamed. And so Paul would be brought before Nero in these filthy rags with the stench of the jail. Well, they might have made him bathe first. You're going before the emperor. <clears throat> I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. I know what my God is like. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep, preserve, guard what I have committed to him until that day. What had he could... All of this suffering, I'm putting into your hands. You are going to be the guardian. You are the keeper of my life investment, my service to you. And I know you are honorable. I know you are honorable. You will not lose track of any of this life investment I've made, this suffering I've endured for the sole reason of loyalty to you just like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego they were thrown in that furnace for one reason only they were loyal to their god and they weren't going to by the by his the help of his holy spirit they were able they were able to remain loyal to him and so it is we must not be ashamed for i know whom i have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep preserve what i have committed to him until that day and then he goes on, hold fast the pattern of sound words. Timothy, you've seen. You've, been, you've ministered beside me for several years. Paul and Timothy ministered side by side by side. And if you read back, we skimmed over the point where Paul says of Timothy, you are my son. Timothy's father was a pagan Greek. His, mater- his mother and his maternal grandmother were, were both loyal followers of Jesus. They were Jewish women who were followers of Jesus. They had discipled Timothy. Timothy already had a good reputation among many house churches when Paul met him. And then Paul stepped in to the role his pagan Greek father had failed to fulfill, and he fathered Timothy. And they had that father-son relationship in a human sense. And he says... I remember your tears. I'm mindful of your tears. What? Well, probably the tears of their parting. The Lord grant, and then he goes on, having renounced Vigelis and Hermogenes, who had betrayed him, who had betrayed the gospel. And then he says this in verse 16 The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. Don't be ashamed of our Lord. Don't be ashamed of me. And here was Onesiphorus. He was not ashamed. He actually came to me here in Rome, visited me in my dungeon, and served me. And apparently, Onesiphorus has gone into the presence of his Lord because Paul's prayer is for his household. But he is very clear. He was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, he went to that stinky, horrible place of bad reputation, the dungeon, and served me in this place, frankly, endangering himself. He sought me out zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me. At Ephesus. Onesiphorus was a servant of servants. What has God called us to? Yesterday, we had the gathering together and training and so forth for evangelism, how to present the gospel. Here's a format for presenting the gospel. And then they went out two by two. Many of you went out two by two and you did that very thing. Well, that is being empowered. Onesiphorus had been empowered. Paul, he had been a recipient, and now he is a giver. We are to be servants of one another. Let me tell you, when we look at these charts, if you want to make a chart on church leadership, and we, we, typically you have a pyramid thing, you need to turn that pyramid upside down. The servant of servants of servants is Jesus. He is bearing it all on his shoulders. And then the men and women who are loyal to him, to who have received his training, they are the next, and then the next, and then. The next. Are, we are to be foot washers. We are not to be parading our authority. We are, in fact, to be doing what Jesus did when he washed the feet of the 12, including Judas Iscariot, We are to be foot washers. That's true leadership. That's true leadership. And that is the example that Paul is setting before us here. Onesiphorus is his last example. This man sought me out, endangering himself. May the Lord have mercy. And that's an upside-down way of saying, may the Lord pour out reward on this man for his loyal service. To another servant. Our Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you came and served us. Every person in this room has authentically entrusted themselves to your work of redemption, has been lifted up by you. You served us when you went to the cross and paid sin's penalty for us. We can't even imagine. Lord, we can see, we can read about the, the torture of crucifixion. We can, we can get our minds wrapped around this physical pain of the crown of thorns ripping the flesh off your back and all of that cru- all of that. But Lord, there was the invisible, the invisible pain when you said, my God, my God, Why have you forsaken me when for the first time in all of eternity you were cut off from the fellowship with God the Father, from the fellowship with God the Holy Spirit, and all of the hell, all of the lake of fire due to an entire human race for eternity was poured out on you until that point when you said, it is finished, it's paid in full so that now your Holy Father would have perfect freedom to forgive us. And we are to be imitators of you, truly servants of one another. Please, this week, give us opportunity and the eyes to see the opportunity to be that very thing, servants of one another and of your purposes in this community. We ask this of you, good shepherd Jesus, and all God's people said, amen.